Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Next 7 Days podcast series. Where we break the season down into week-by-week segments. Bringing on a new guest hunter every week that specializes in their time frame. We're starting off at September 14th and running to November 30th, covering every segment of the season, starting with early season into the October lull into the rut and the secondary rut. So I hope you're ready to hunt the next seven days with Clint Campbell. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes with yet another episode of the next seven days. This week, we're talking with Clint Campbell all about one of my favorite time of the year. And guys, this cold snap that we're going to have during this time frame is going to be insane. Get excited. Get jacked up. It's time to kill target bucks. The scrapes are going to be on fire. They're going to be on the food. It is going to be phenomenal. I cannot believe. Every time I look at the extended forecast, I'm like, it's going to change. It's going to change. And it's getting colder and colder for more days. I'm like, shaking in my pants over here with excitement guys this is um this it's it's time to rip right now um early in the year and we don't get this very often so let's get in this people to make this possible we're going to get right into the show starting off with exodus outdoor gear guys like i mentioned last week i had a lift two that expired on me finally after almost five years and uh they sent that sucker on the three-day first-class shipping to me, guys. And I had that sucker. It's already back out getting pictures. Um, so I was down very little time. 
So that five-year warranty is absolutely no joke when it comes to these Exodus trail cameras. Um, if you don't know about that five-year warranty, if you buy any Exodus trail camera, you get a five-year no BS warranty. That's five years. Um, you break it, it breaks. The weather takes it. You can literally hang it out there for four years and 364 days. It craps out on you. You are guaranteed another trail cam. Um, absolutely best best um, warranty in the industry, hands down. And uh, they also came out with the new Exodus MMT Arrows. So if you guys are in the market for a new arrow, definitely check them out. Uh, my quiver is loaded up with them, and uh, they are shooting. I'm shooting the best I've ever shot. Um, so we'll see how that equals out when I when I have a target bucks in my sights. But I cannot ready. I can't wait to paint one of those things red because I keep seeing pitch, pictures of the they uh the they made a center wrap white so you can really see where you shot the animal and give you some good blood on the center of the arrow in case you don't get that pass through and it doesn't get to the fletchings so you can see you know what color of blood you got. Um, they made it right there on the center of the wrap, which is really cool um, little feature that they added to the arrow. Make sure and follow all of Exodus' socials, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. And uh, if you're looking for any arrows or trail cameras, cell cams, do not look any further than Exodus Outdoor Gear. Getting into the next one is Afflictor Broadheads. I'm shooting the Hybrid EXT, the inch and a half uh, hybrid mechanical. Uh, to start, and then I also have been shooting the K2 Fixed, and they are both flying extremely well. Um, I've always been a mechanical guy, um, just getting a little more of that cutting diameter, but after watching uh, some of Afflictor's YouTube, I've learned that sometimes that is not as beneficial as a guy would think. So if you guys have not checked out Afflictor's YouTube, there's a lot of good content on there about uh, tracking your deer after you're shooting, setting up your arrows, um, broadhead choice. There's a lot of good content on that YouTube page, um, and the production's done very well, so shout out to them. But uh, that's what I'll be rocking in my quiver this year, um, and check them out at Afflictor uh, Broadheads. Moving on to 330archery.com. If you guys are in the market for a new bowstring, you got your bow out, and uh, you're like, oh, crap, it's time to go, and my bow ain't ready. Um, he can get you the fastest turnaround in the game there at 330archery.com. All right, guys, well, I hope you enjoy this episode. Like I said, get excited for this cold front coming up. Go out there. Try to make a move on those target bucks. This is going to be a cold front to remember for October. I'm extremely excited. I got my eyes on a couple bucks uh, that I'm hopefully they're, they've been edging daylight, so hopefully this is what it takes to get them there. I'm definitely going to try to make a move on them and not wait. Uh, they've been edging in the morning and edging in the evening, and I know where they're bedding in between there, so I'm just going to get in there as tight as I can and try to make a move. So hopefully you guys do the same. A lot of messages coming in. Let me know what you guys got going on this season. Keep them coming. I love trotting deer, guys. Uh, I don't like missing out on anything you guys got going on, so keep them coming. If you do connect, let me know. All right, guys, let's get into the show. All right, we got Clint Campbell on tonight, and we're talking about October 12th through the 19th. It's game time in the Whitetail Woods. We're in season here. Um, how are you doing tonight, Clint? I'm good, brother. How you doing, man? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, doing good, man. Appreciate you coming on again and chit-chatting with me. Um, like we talked about the series, I wanted to have people on that I, you know, I trust the knowledge. I respect them as hunters. I respect them as human beings. 
and that are damn good people and hunters in general. And when we were making the list, you came up to mind. I know we talked about having you on a show like maybe four or five months ago and finally connected. Um, when you said that you wanted to cover this week, I was like, perfect. Cause this is kind of a tough week for a lot of guys. Like this right. is one of my favorite weeks, but I was laying out the weeks for you that we had. And I was like, uh, when you pick this and I'm like, that's perfect. Cause not a lot of people are going to pick this week here. So, um, to start off, just do a brief introduction of who you are and uh, what you got going on. Yeah. Uh, Clint Campbell, I run the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast and, uh, I was born in Pennsylvania, spent some time in Florida as a musician for a bunch of years and then moved back to PA. It's been probably 11 years ago. Um, ate up with bow hunting. I don't really hunt with much else. I will, you know, carry towed a gun around during Turkey season, but for the most part, it's a uh, bow in hand. I like DIY stuff, like hard stuff. You know, I hunt like 99% is uh, public land here in PA. Um, I do a lot of travel hunting. So every year I'm usually, you know, going, going somewhere, um, you know, this year it'll be here in a couple weeks. Um, we'll be, I'll be in Kansas again, trying to redeem myself from last year. Um, but the reason why I picked this, this week is because a lot of times my travel hunts are happening, you know, usually in November, whether it's Kansas, Ohio, Iowa, Missouri, wherever I'm headed. So I have to try to figure out how to get it done, you know, in, in October, if I'm going to do it in, in PA for the most part. Um, and so I made a concerted effort probably the past three years to try to figure out how can I dial in, you know, more on October dates and are there any, are there any things, tricks, tips, tactics, or anything like that, that I could use to try to do that. And in the past two years, I've really started seeing some things kind of come together that have put me in the right spots, at the right time, uh, should have released a couple arrows last year. Uh, but you know, the, the God said, no, the dear God said, it said, no, it wasn't going to happen, but you know, the method is proving true and is holding true, uh, over the, over the course of the past couple of years, I've been kind of using this approach. Nice. Um, go over, if you could have your absolute perfect primo setup, um, what, what would that be? And during this time frame, mm. man, it would be, it would be October 15th through the 17th probably would be the, would be the dates, like the window. And, and I give you that range because it would be dependent on uh, what the wind would be, what the wind would be doing. Um, I'll pick a specific spot, you know, for this particular spot that I'm thinking of, I want something that is going to be anything, anything out of the North, essentially I can get away with. So I can get away with the Northwest. I can get away with the North, uh, a Northeast. I'm going to want it to be uh, temperature wise. I like those like 50 ish degrees, like doesn't get out of, doesn't get higher than 59. Cause it's still like, if you got like a, you know, a five to 10 mile per hour wind, you got a little nip, you know what I mean? In the air, but it's not miserably cold. So I can still, you know, dress pretty light and, you know, be mobile if I, if I need to be, I would like to have like a 10 mile per hour wind. That way I can get a little bit of wind cover, keep my wind consistent for the day. Don't have to necessarily worry about it swirling. Um, trying to think what else, man, I, I want it to be a little bit overcast too. you know, a little spit and rain doesn't bother me. You know, I don't want like a, a steady drizzle all day. I mean, I'll, I'll tolerate it if I have to, but if it's just gray and kind of overcast where I can see really well and I'm not getting glare from the sun and stuff like that, you just a nice kind of, you know, your classic dreary, depressing October day yeah. <laughs> is what I want. Um, you know, I, I want a morning hunt if I can have it. <laughs> you know, is, is what I'd prefer. 
um, preferably on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday where I got to kind of piece out of work, you know what I mean? And where I take a day off or maybe I just take the morning or whatever, but I definitely want it to be in the middle, in the middle of the week if I can have it. Nice. Yeah, that's perfect, man. I, there's something about those rainstorms where it's like, I believe that those deer go and freshen those scrapes up. I know you're a scrape hunter. So we, I don't know how many people we've had on a podcast right after a little drizzle. I killed my buck right after a little drizzle drizzle on the 27th, October last year. They like to get up. I don't know if they're wet. They like to get dried off or what it is, but those nasty overcast little rain days, man, those are like magical during that time period. Um, Right. Uh, like you said, a little breeze is always nice if you're sneaking in on something. And uh, a little breeze plays huge in the temperature when it's around that, you know, a, a 50 degree day with no wind or a 50 degree day with a 10, 15 mile an hour wind is way different uh, feeling outside. And uh, I was like, like a 10, you know, get, get, I'm loud, dude. I, I, I try to be sneaky, but man, I, every time I'm really trying to do good, I'm slow and then i'm like man i'm going too slow and then i'll make a mistake and drop something out of the stand or something so it's always nice to have a little bit of noise to, to cover you up so um in your mind during this october 12th through the 19th what are the bucks doing this time of year yeah so for me man you know i i've run a lot of trail cameras and in the past couple of years I've, I've really kind of focused in on this particular you know range of dates this this particular week because my buddy Greg Litzinger kind of turned me on to this where, you know, somewhere between, you know, the 16th, the 18th, and it might be a little bit earlier, depending on, you know, where you're at, or maybe you have a hot dough in the, in the area that's, that's going to come in early that might be getting things fired up a little bit, you know, in advance, but the, the mature deer for the area or the dominant deer for the area oftentimes will make his first mistake in that, in that time frame. you know, whether that's because he's coming back to bed a little bit late and he's going to check a couple of scrapes on his way back to bed, you still got to kind of be in close to their beds. Um, you have to be on top of them. I'm not the greatest bed hunter. And this is kind of the way I get away with hunting beds is I get in and around like the scrapes that are adjacent to their beds. That way I can kind of still play that core area bedroom movement. You know, they're, they're moving a lot more than we give them credit for. They're just not moving, um, far distances from the areas that they feel really safe, you know? Mm -hmm. So at that time, you know, I, in my opinion, they're starting to kind of, uh, get their house in order. You know, especially whenever you hit that like 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th time frame, they're going to start just kind of checking and getting an inventory of what the hell's going on in my in my core area for the fall. They're chasing changing food sources to a degree. So if you have a bedding area that you kind of know of that, you know, might have a food source in, you know, nearby, whether it's an oak, you know, that's drop in or, you know, whatever the case might be. Those are always kind of, you know, obviously great areas. Um, and then anything if you find. I guess a, a really good pocket of, of doe bedding where the, where bucks are going to be bedding, not far off. This is one thing that I kind of learned from uh, John Eberhardt. And I think it plays into one of the spots, that spot that I gave you kind of all the parameters for the wind and everything that I wanted is that a lot of times some of these more mature deer, they will bed up not far from scrapes, knowing that does are going to be coming through, checking those on their way back to kind of doe bedding. So as opposed to chasing and trying to, search all over the place and kind of check does they kind of sit there and wait and let and check does as they come by so they're the older deer in, in the woods and they're kind of playing the game smart right it's like well why go chase or why go seek and expose myself when i can lay in and around all this bedding cover around a primary scrape that i know the majority of the does that live in this bedding area that's adjacent to it are going to ultimately have to walk by and, and hit yeah. probably at some point right 
And so I think a little bit of that starting to starting to play in, but by and large, you know, what I've seen the past, you know, two years watching, I guess three years in the one spot watching is that that time frame dominant deer in the area will make his first mistake in daylight in that window, in that couple day window, you just got to make sure you time it with the right wind conditions and, and, and the right weather conditions to be there. Yeah. Those interior doe bedding scrapes that are real close to doe bedding, but buck bedding as well. Those are, that's how I killed my buck last year on the 27th. Just there's something about those. Like you said, they bed close to them. Um, and I, they like to J hook into them, you know, and like you said, why search all over that doe bedding? We can just go hit this scrape and say, Oh yeah, this deer's, this doe's ready. Like she's getting real close. I probably need to hang out here or should I move on? Yeah. Um, so the other so, thing with, with this particular spot and, you know, I know we're talking about this week in particular, so that's, kind of like, I guess the thing that I've seen in the advice that I would give for that particular week. But when you find areas like that, that start to kind of heat up around these kind of timeframes and stuff like that, you know, do your off season due diligence as well. Cause what I ended up finding out about this spot was not only was that happening, but there was always like a little bit of like a, a ramp up of uh, deer activity that would kind of happen for like two or three days before that big deer would show up. You know what I mean? And then what I watched this year and I was walk because my hypothesis was that there was a doe that came in early in there. And I just never saw it because I couldn't see the fawn early enough to backdate it. Well, this year I actually saw the fawn drop. She was probably two days old whenever I saw her on camera because I had a cell camera in there. And I was actually able to backdate it to where that doe had to have been bred somewhere between like the 15th and 17th, which would time up for whenever I always see that first big deer show up. You know what I mean? So it's like when you see that flurry of activity, don't just accept it for what it is. If you can figure out the why of it, man, then you can really time it up every year and, and, and have some really great encounters. I agree. My, my kids are in the studio now um, on the weight bench over there. <laughs> <laughs> Getting swole. Guys, you got to be quiet over there. <laughs> my kids hitting some squats with the 25s right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree, man. People think November is the only time that the rut happens, but some of these does, they get they get to smell and ride a little bit early. And I feel like, like you said, those bucks are so keen on that. They know, and they're going to check those scrapes whenever possible. And uh, I feel like this week is, from now to the 30th of October, this is the scrape mecca, dude. If you're on a good scrape, you need mm -hmm. to be in that area. You need to be have a cam on that thing. You need to be watching it because he's going to be checking that thing. More than likely, like you said, making those first mistakes during daylight well the other um, thing you have going in your favor here too is that a lot of people give up on this week yeah because they they're do. gearing up or they're gearing up for the the next week the week after or two weeks after you know what i mean so you typically get away that's why i was saying you know when you're i was giving you your kind of my parameters i was like a morning in the middle of the week because there's not going to be anybody in the woods that time of year in the morning in the middle of the week no one's taking yeah. time from work to hunt that week you know what i mean so yeah, there's nobody you, out there yeah, especially if you're hunting pressured areas, you know, that's that's key. Yeah. All right, let's do the would you rather. Yeah. Hey, guys. Here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's knock you out with these would you rathers. Would you rather kill a local buck that you've been after a few years or a random trip giant? Man. I know you go on a lot of trips, so I was like, man, this would be a good one to throw at him. A random yeah. trip giant's got to feel good because you – you made it happen quick there, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I prefer the random trip giant, to be honest. Um, just because you, you're under time constraints, you know what I mean? It's like, 
if I go somewhere like Iowa, I'll, I'll take like two weeks off and I'll go do that. Last year in Kansas, I took two weeks. This year in Kansas, I'm only taking a week because I know a little bit more about the area because I'm going back to the same spot or same you know public that I was hunting last year. Um, but yeah, I would say a random a random giant would feel pretty uh, would feel pretty good just based on very limited knowledge of the area and having to get it done under a time crunch. Yeah, it's like Chad Buck last year, dude. When I seen that, I was like, golly, this uh, hog coming out. And just to go out there, like, your expectations are like, man, I'm just going to have a good time, maybe get it done. But to drag out a deer like that, like, I know you were there with them. And I was like, yeah. I seen it. And I was like, damn, like, that was, that's a trip, dude. Like, that's a trip they'll remember forever. Um, and just to go in there off sign and kill a deer like that is just super badass to me. That- that and you just don't know what's around every corner too, man. That's mm-hmm. the kind of exciting part. It's like anything could pop out. I mean, when I was in Iowa, I ended up hunting the CRP and glass. The CRP was trying to make sure I wasn't going to bump a deer out of this draw. Cause I was like, man, that draw looks like a deer would be bedded there. And sure enough, I just didn't see it while I was glassing. And I ended up bumping 180 inch deer out of that draw. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, that random, like I had no clue that that deer was there. You know what I mean? Just and just doing that kind of stuff and walking up on, you know, a big deer, you know, to, to kill one like that would just be unreal. So going along with our next question, you just said 180. Would you rather miss a shot on a 180 or miss the next two Pope and Young Bucks? Back I'd, rather, back? I'd rather miss the 180. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, man, that'd be devastating. But to have two misses back to back, that would be so heartbreaking it would be heartbreaking and i'd rather miss the 180 because that means i was within bow range of a world class yeah yeah yeah. you're like okay i i I was i did the right thing i just couldn't you know really seal the deal here but to miss two bucks back to back would be tragic so i'm also going with the i'm also going with the odds the chances of me actually seeing a 180 are pretty low yeah yeah yeah, where you're at it's like there we go so all right all day sit no food or all day sit with wet feet all day sit with wet feet. I would rather do that. Uh, man, I, I, I'd go no food, man. I'd try to tough it out. My, I got the most weeniest feet in the game out here, bro. <laughs> Dude, there's so many places around here that I hunt that have water that I, I, I have a hard time finding hunts where I don't have wet feet. You know what I mean? So I'm already dealing with it. So I'm like, already dealing with it anyway, so at least I I'm have, gonna have some nice food at least in there to keep me in there. So. Exactly. Right, last one, I made this specifically for you because I know you travel at four flat tires for the whole entire season or you ran out of gas at the most worst time possible. Which one are you choosing? I would take, you said four flat tires? Four flat tires for the whole whitetail season. Or me and my buddy have a joke that if I don't have two, me and him don't have two flat tires apiece during the year, we're not killing a buck. I've already had two this year. I already knocked them out. So... I'm on the up and up. We have four flat tires for the whole entire whitetail season on your trips where you ran out of gas in the worst spot ever. Uh, I'll run out of gas. Yeah. Flat tires. It's such a, I'm like my work car. I got that down to a sign. It's about 18 minutes. I could change a flat tire. The part that I'm worried about is my travel trailer blowing. And it, and it just sending me rolling because it blows out and flips. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm going to ask this question. He pulling that trailer everywhere. I'm like, if it was two flat tires, you'd be like, ah, maybe, but four, that's the edge where you're like, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, if it if it was one, I would definitely go with the the flat tire because on my truck I have you know a regular size real you know tire to replace it with, so I wouldn't be so worried. But more than one, if it's on the trailer, I'm like I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, you got to carry like two donuts just just to really get you in a tight spot. So yeah. All right. Well, getting back into the the content. Um, you already kind of mentioned this, but I know a lot of people over the years of the content that's been created don't hunt mornings this time of year, which I think is completely wrong. So are you hunting mornings this, this time of year? Yeah, I hunt a lot of mornings this time of year, actually, probably not saying I don't do an evening hunt because I, cer- I certainly will. Um, but if there's a real good, you know, um, you know, switch in wind direction or change in weather or something like that, man, I'm trying to prioritize the morning to get out. Um, reason being again, it's like PA high pressure state, everyone's going to hunt evenings, especially on a good weather day. You know, if you get like a good wind, you know, for a certain area or you get like a good temp drop or whatever, a lot of people are going to be going out. There's not a lot of people going out in the mornings this time of year. So I prioritize mornings a lot of times, especially whenever I get the the right wind. And, and my cameras have been telling me that, you know, just monitoring cameras. It's like, I'm seeing more activity in the mornings than I am in the, uh, in the evenings in these areas. And I think for me personally, I think everyone has to kind of think about it where they actually hunt. Cause I don't think that that's the right answer necessarily for everybody, but I think people who hunt in areas that get a lot of pressure, I think that that is a, a better than usual option and is often overlooked because, you know, deer want the normal things to survive and they, and they, and they need certain things to kind of behave consistently. Right. And one of the things that they don't want is human pressure. Right. And you can't control that necessarily, but you can control when you go in and understand when people are going to be there and when they aren't going to be there. So by eliminating that one variable, you can now make a better game plan and actually play the, the Intel you actually have on a particular deer or, you know, for a particular area. I agree with you. Those mornings, Nobody likes going out in the dark, hanging a stand and making the moves and walking through the woods. I see probably three times the just parking lot pressure in the evenings on my public piece than the mornings. Um, a lot of it's because you got to get those so early in the morning that to get to the spots that you want to get to, people aren't, they're into it. Like you said, they're into it. Maybe the first week of October, they're fired up. They're ready to go. This week, they're not doing it. They're like, I got to save myself for when it gets good, blah, blah, blah. And uh, those mornings are wide open, man. You might be the only guy there um, all morning or all day during this time period. But um, I think mornings are – I mean, for the before podcasts really came out, I remember like when Outdoor Channel and everything really came out, mornings were like the demon – to big white don't hunt mornings because you're just educating deer don't hunt mornings um i don't believe hunting mornings in a bedding area is the smartest thing but hunting mornings on a scrape or hunting mornings on a transition yeah. zone or something that is awesome this time of year yeah you know? i was just gonna say man like not all things are created equal you know what i mean it's like yeah. i think you know again i don't have a lot of primary food sources that i'm kind of working with so there's no like major ag that's like driving the the to and from kind of movement necessarily right so i agree like if you're if you're in an area that is primarily agriculture it's like you know i'm not hunting mornings either you know what i mean because like where where are you going to set up you know Mm -hmm. where's your your setup spots you know but for me because it's all for the most part big woods and timber and stuff like that i'm not hunting a bed to food or like a food kind of pattern or, or, or movement. So to, so to speak, you know, and I'm definitely not hunting like in over a bed I'm hunting close to it, but I'm hunting those, 
attractive areas that are in that are in between, you know, and that's why for me mornings and that again, just to reiterate, prioritizing mornings, but prioritizing especially mornings in the middle of the week. Yeah. You know, Saturday, you still get, you know, in a heavily pressured area with like Michigan's and stuff like that with like a a bunch of hunting heritage. Like there's plenty of guys that are hardcore. They'll go out in the morning on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. but again, they're not taking October 16th off in the hunt the morning. You know I mean? They're going to prioritize taking their day off for Mm -hmm. November 1st to the 7th, you know what I mean? Or the 31st of October or whatever, you know? So if you can do it in the middle of the week in the morning, like that to me is like, it's primo time. Cause you got to think about it too. Like the deer get that relaxed period as well, where it's like, they're not getting as much pressure. Well, what are you going to do? And you're going to move around a little bit more. You're going to feel a little bit more free. You might yeah. take some time getting back to bed. You know what I mean? So you have to think about all this is like deer don't act too, too terribly different than we do. You know what I mean? Like to a degree, it's like when it's cold, windy and wet, they want to get up and move. Why we'd want to get up and move. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to just sit there and be cold and wet, you know? So yeah. A lot of the stuff that they do, we, we think there's like this deep secret to why they do it when the reality is, is they're just reacting to the elements just as, as we would, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that would be, you know, mornings, middle of the week for me is, is primo. All right. So uh, during this time period, how much are you focusing on scouting and a new sign? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, th- this time period, I'm probably focusing more on my historical because I hunt this week, particularly in particular in very specific spots based on years worth of data that I've had from encounters to, um, to trail camera, to trail camera data. So primarily the plan is to kind of use that Intel that I've gathered over years and putting that to work. Now, if for some weird reason, all the spots are drying up and I'm just not getting the activity that I, that I want to see, or if I'm not having encounters, then yeah, then I put boots on the ground and not afraid to kind of make a move and try to figure out like, where do they go? Like what changed? Why aren't they where they're supposed to be? You know? And so I would say the early part of this week scouting, when I get to like the middle part of this week and later I'm hunting either what I've scouted and know, or using the the annual data that I've had for the past several years. I feel like I'm the same way. I'm using that data this time of year from the past pretty much solely or I'm remembering, you know, not just trail cam, but I'm remembering something I've seen late season where there is some sign that popped up and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm going to go back in there. If I am scouting, I'm going back into hunt an area, scouting on the way. Okay, bam, here's a new, really good, fresh looking scrape. Maybe I'll set up there. Maybe I'll press deeper. Um, that's the kind of scouting I do. But it's weird when you have those dates that shit just happens. Like on one of our, we have a 40 acre piece of private. If, if a guy could get in there and hunt October 1st to October 5th every year without busting deer, he would kill a buck. I guarantee there's bucks on cam one or two days a year during those first five days of season in the evening on our fall food plot every year. And then after that shuts off, we haven't been able to nail that date, but last year I went in there on like the third and they were there the fourth. Like it was just that one, I was one day off, you know, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's not like a, it's a deer we have on cam, but it's not like the same deer or something. There's just a deer that goes and hits the scrape on the food source within those five days. So you bet your ass within those five days, I'm going to pick a day or two that I'm going to try to get in there in the evening and hunt that. Um, but during that spot, there's just no way you could hunt it five days straight and not yeah. burger the deer up. Um, yeah. but it's just one of those, 
past history areas where you know that during this time period, that's that's going to happen. And it's consistently happened like the last four or five years. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely using my historical data by and large. Like I said, the beginning of that week, I, you know, we'll be doing some scouting depending also, you know, on, on work schedule and things of like that. Cause I'm a normal dude, but that's why I use the annual data. Like I'm strategically trying to prioritize the days where I'm going to have the best opportunity based on previous, you know, previous history. Now, the one thing I will do, if it's a boat access area, then I'm probably not doing a lot of scouting because those areas I'm usually like in and right in a tree with like very little ground scent being laid down. If it's somewhere where I need to walk and I can kind of make a, a loop with good access and maybe check some sign that I found in the postseason and see like, hey, what? And I don't know when that sign got laid down, but I can make a walk through that week and be like, OK, does this sign get laid down October before now? So, you know, between like October 1st to like the 12th or whatever day it happens to be that I walk through. That way I can kind of qualify that. And then maybe it's something I can use again, you know, for, for the next year. So I will do that kind of stuff by and large. Those are dates that I kind of have committed to. These are the best opportunities for some of these areas. And I need to just be at those spots whenever the, the weather and the wind conditions, you know, give me the opportunity to. All right. Last question here. What, if there's one thing you could say to someone to make them more successful this time of the year, what do you think it would be? Man, um, I would say it may not help you this year, uh, but, you know, if you find places that if you have a hunch about it being consistent in and around a scrape or in and around a food source or whatever, hang a camera, let it lay there and work for a year until, you know, for like two years and hunt it and, and kind of journal your encounter. That's one of the biggest things for me was starting to journal. You know, like while I'm in a tree, if there's nothing happening, you know, I'll just punch into my app some notes about what I saw that day, especially if I had an encounter. And then I go back and I start corroborating that with either other journal dates from past years or trail camera data and start to kind of marry those, marry those things up. But I would say, you know, wherever your best kind of primary scrape is, I wouldn't be afraid to hunt that this week, especially if it's in and around doe bedding. Um, and this time of year, you know, you're chasing the changing food sources. So the, those two things, but for me, it's like, I'm, I live and die by a scrape. <laughs> You know, that's kind yeah. of, that's, that's kind of my game. I love scrape hunt, man. Especially if you're an optimistic hunter, like you're just out there trying to kill a nice buck. Scrape hunting is so good this yeah. time of year, all the way up to, like I said, that late October. Right. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate coming on. Um, I hope you're already bucked out this year already. And you're on, on a trip somewhere, absolutely having a badass time. Hope Kansas goes well for you. And I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the next seven days series. And like I said, this is going to be a banger this week. Um, get out there, do what you can to get in the woods and have some damn fun hunting some bucks. Cause they're going to be moving. They're going to be hitting scrapes. Um, they're going to be doing all the stuff that he talked about in this episode. Um, like we said, if there's a cold front, everything's, you know, twice as good, three times as good. Um, this time of year so um don't don't miss it um like always love you guys appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end the numbers have been insane i cannot thank you guys enough if you want to do a little something extra sweet for me that'll give you that good karma to shoot that giant buck this week go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're at itunes spotify um leave me a review what you think of the podcast jot down some notes there and let me know what you think reach out to me on instagram facebook anywhere 
Uh, my personal Instagram's uh, Cody Jenkins WLP. If you don't want to reach out to the the page there, um, but I'm here for you guys. Any questions, comments that you got about the deer that you got, anything going on, love chit chatting, and uh, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.